Traditionally, to travel to exotic lands on your own motorcycle took planning, dedication, and lots and lots of time. But now, thanks to the wide body, you too have the opportunity to explore the world and get back home before the end of your vacation. What's a wide body? Well, you're going to have to listen to this episode for that. Come on, seriously, did you really think I was going to give it all away here in the intro? I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. we got a good one for you. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into motorcycle luggage using their unique strapping system, and it's easy to swap from one bike to another. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding, and that's gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com. That's www.greenchiliadv.com. Best Rest Products is home of the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire Iron Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system. It'll inflate the flat tire in less than three minutes, made in the USA, and comes with a lifetime warranty. Best Rest is also the North American distributor for Googlatech filters. Their website, www.cyclepump.com, www.cyclepump.com. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Max BMW Motorcycles has been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. They've got 45,000 parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter too. It's free www.maxbmw.com that's maxbmw.com the MotoBreeze chain oiler is powered by wind pressure that automatically adjusts for speed no electrical or vacuum connections it delivers your oil to your chain with a felt pad on the swing arm eliminating problems of exposed nozzles near the sprockets one ounce of oil lasts over a thousand miles or 1600 kilometers get more miles from your chain and sprockets and forget about the messy spray oil www.motobreeze.com there's two eyes in there motobreeze.com Well, obviously, traveling around the world by motorcycle, you're going to have to jump some gaps that are filled with water, oceans. It's not a new concept. Riders have been doing it for a long time. But back in the day, many riders, I think, were just rocking up to a port and basically poking around, asking questions, and to see if they could get themselves and their bike onto a ship headed in maybe roughly the right direction. It took patience, networking, and mostly it took time. Because it, it takes time to make those connections, to befriend a captain, to work out the details, maybe work in a discount for your fare by working on the boat. You hear all of this stuff. Then more time. Once you're on the boat, you sit back, you enjoy the experience. But as the ship makes its way, you'd have to deal with any of the delays, the detours the ship would make, all part of the experience, all part of the adventure. Well, I think those days are pretty much gone now, probably due to regulations and insurance and all those other things that <laughs> that ruin the good old stuff. But either way, that style of travel's always been reserved for those who have been fortunate enough and have also designed their lives around extended travel. You know the ones. You often hear them on here. They sell everything before they go. They travel open-ended, really free, like really free. 
And of course, there's only a small number of riders that can manage the time, the money, or even have the inclination for spending years on the road traveling. The idea is romantic, riding in strange lands, new cultures, smells, all those things, meeting new people. It's a great picture. And if it's if it's for you and you can manage it, then great. But for most of us, it's more of a daydream. Most of us have work commitments, careers, families to raise, other commitments, and we end up with a limited time for our vacation. But that doesn't mean that you can't have an exotic adventure in foreign lands riding your own motorcycle because we now have what's called wide-body airplanes. The airlines have these wide-body airplanes that take passengers up top and cargo down below, and they take a lot of cargo. They're always looking for new ways to fill the space because, I mean, let's face it, the airline industry is extremely competitive. We've all seen the cutbacks in their in-flight food, their snacks, and (laughs) their seating getting ever so tighter. All the ways that airlines try to make more money from every single flight. So if the cargo space isn't full, well, that costs money. Enter us, the motorcyclists. You can now fly your bike and you somewhere remote or somewhere new very quickly and easily. You jump on the plane, you fly overseas for your holidays, ride your own bike, even fly across the country for a one-way trip. I mean, it's really opened things up to the average person with a shorter time span. And although it's much easier to do, it's, it's not quite as simple as just booking a seat for yourself on a plane. There's still paperwork to do and other things to consider when flying your bike. For instance, in the U.S., I'm told that since 9-11, there's been heavy restrictions put on flying dangerous cargo. And that's how motorcycles fly. They fly as dangerous cargo because they've got fuel and oil and other things in them. In fact, the restrictions are, are so tight that uh, one company I spoke to, Motorcycle Express, they said they don't ship anything in or out of the U.S. at all by air. They have their customers ride to the closest Canadian airport to catch the flight. So I decided to give this a go. I thought, okay, well, we'll just see how easy this is. Do a little search, find an airline, and... Thank you for calling Lufthansa Cargo. Please note, calls may be recorded for quality and training purposes. Main menu. For matters pertaining to your TD Flash shipments, please press 1. Press 2 for export. For shipment status, please press 3. For import... Press 4. For shipments already showing RCS status and experiencing an irregularity... Okay, so I'm already five. lost at this point. So I decided to do, you know, what you do. You press 0, right? You want to talk to somebody, you press 0. Thank you for calling Lufthansa Cargo. Please note, calls may be recorded for quality and training purposes. Main menu. Okay, so I ended up going through a bunch of number presses, and I did get a person. I mean, obviously, I'm calling the wrong place, I guess, but it was the number for Lufthansa. Lufthansa Cargo, my name's Celia. How can I help you today? Hi, um, I'd like to find out about shipping a motorcycle, and I, I don't know quite where to start. I, I want, I'm interested in, in shipping out of the U.S. to maybe Europe and then back again. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to do that, uh, usually the request, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to take the request directly from the customers. They'd have to contact a freight forwarding company. Uh, we usually... Um, suggest companies like DHL, UPS, TNT, and uh, those companies usually have a, um, a dedicated branch for sending shipments like them, like motorcycles, um, and they'll be able to advise on further. So they'll then contact us in order to have it booked to fly. Okay, great. Thanks very much for your help. That's no problem. Have a good day. You too, Bye-bye. bye. Okay, so far so good. No problem. DHL, that's the one I'm going to pick, freight forwarding company. So I called them up. DHL Express. 
your specialist in international shipping. For quality and training purposes, calls may be monitored and recorded. And feel free to interrupt me at any time. Can you imagine that? They're actually recording me right now. The irony. Which would you like to do? Say, schedule a pickup, track a package, get a rate quote, find a drop-off location, or help with something else. Help with something else. Okay. You can say, billing question, delivery notice, or representative. Representative. All right. And okay, I'm going to save you all the boring stuff. I got through to a person fairly quickly. Good system. Good morning. This is Lisa. How may I help you? Hi. Um, I'd like to find out about shipping a motorcycle. And um, I called Lufthansa and they told me that I have to go through a freight forwarder like you guys. They suggested I call you. And I'm, I'm wondering about shipping from somewhere in the U.S. to Europe and back again. Is that possible? And what is your first name, just for reference? Jim. Jim. Jim, do you have a DHL account? No. So, Jim, it's definitely possible. Um, if you have a business account, it's usually a lot easier to do things. So she went on to talk about duties and taxes and all those things. I'm, I'm trying to make this shorter. For you and then ship it back. Now, is this going to be a whole motorcycle in all, Jim? Like a, yeah, yeah, the whole bike. Like I, I want to go ride in Europe um, and I want to ship the whole bike with all my, my gear with it. Mm. So um, I think that would be for our other division because our division, Jim, we only ship DHL Express, so it definitely will be expedited. Um, but we only can ship a package up to 118 inches. If it's over 118 inches, that would be our other division. 118 inches, okay. Um, okay, and, and is it still by air? Um, we are by air, yes. So if you ship from our division um, and it's less than 118 inches, yes, sir, it is by air, express. So this will be expedited. We have another division that does freight forwarding. They're DHL Global Forwarding, but they only work business to business. So I can't even call them then? No. Mm-mm. No, hmm. sir. Um, okay. Um, let me see of our other division. We have another division, DHL E-Commerce Global Mail. The only problem with that division, Jim, um, well, it might not be a problem, but it's just it's not express shipping. So your package will get there pretty much whenever it gets there. So obviously, if you don't know where to start, things can be a little bit difficult. But a few weeks ago, I ran into a guy who was talking about air freight. His name's yeah. Rob. Yeah. Um, so my name is Rob Flood. I'm from Air Canada. I'm in the cargo division. I'm based in Toronto, and I am the product development business manager for our Dangerous Goods Solution, which encompasses the Flyer Bike program. Wow, that sounds like a the, quite a title you've got there. I bumped into you <laughs> at, at a motorcycle show, and you were standing there telling motorcyclists how they could fly their motorcycle. How does that fit into your job? Uh, so this is actually the only real commercial, like customer-facing solution we have, I and mean, we have one other one. It's called AC Animals, um, where you can fly your 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 beloved, you know fluffy or or max in our aircraft this is the other solution where you can actually fly your bike um to a set number of destinations that we have within our network uh and it allows people to kind of have that awesome road trip across europe on their own motorcycle why why does air canada do that and why does it do ac animals is it to attract more people to to use the carrier um for flights for personal flights or or what's the reason uh, demands. I mean, you know, people are constantly moving, um, for, in terms of AC animals, you know, we have a lot of people that will be flying to, 
insert whatever de- destination permanently or for short, you know, short term in terms of like three, four, five months. Um, and they don't want to leave their pet behind them. Conversely, with 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 the fly your bike program, um, it actually started internally where we had somebody in our head office who was a motorcycle enthusiast and was like, "Hey, I want to fly my bike to Europe. I want to be gone for two, three weeks. I don't want to rent. Can you make this happen? Can I fly my bike?" From that one, you know, um, throwaway question, um, it's developed into a five year long program. When we now have, I think we have about a dozen or so destinations uh, on the list currently. I'm hoping to add a couple more, maybe uh, this year. On a, it will be maybe a month or so after the program is launched. Uh, so yeah, Are it's, you it's a, a need. It's, it's, I'm not a rider, to be honest. No. I'm actually very afraid of motorcycles. <laughs> um, that being said, the, the you know I just I was at the Montreal show, and I was talking to a colleague who was at the booth with me, who's a, who's a rider himself, and he's like, "Do you ride?" And uh, I, I said the exact same thing to you. Uh, but then I also added that, you know, as I'm approaching 40, I'm getting a little, I'm, you know, I'm thinking maybe, maybe at my 40th birthday, I'll look at getting a bike and, and, and see what we go. Cause I'm, it's interesting. It seems fun, but I, you know, I also have this fear of pain <laughs> and, and there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of protect to protect my body on a motorcycle. So, <laughs> okay. Point taken yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it's so yeah. air Canada. So they're flying motorcycles. So you mentioned that there's, there's destinations. Is there a list of destinations? Like where can you go? Is it within Canada, uh, Canada, us, Canada, Europe? Yeah. So, um, we do have Canadian destinations. You can go, um, Montreal, Toronto to Vancouver, Calgary, and then vice versa. Uh, the reason why we have those four cities on the list and not anywhere else is we have the aircraft that can actually handle um, moving the motorcycles. So you need a, you need what we call a wide body. You need a uh, you know triple seven, a seven eight seven, a seven six seven, or an Airbus three thirty. And those are the those are the cities where we have those flights moving consistently across across the country and throughout the the network. Uh, and then we have we. Don't have the U.S. on the the program yet. Uh, I'm looking at that, and the reason why we don't is there are TSA regulations that do not allow us to move motorcycles from what they deem as an unknown shipper. So you, as as John Smith, Jane Doe, off the street, coming to us saying, "Hey, I want to fly to L.A. from Toronto, um, and I want to bring my bike." they say these people are not part of the secure supply chain and are deemed unknown and unsecure and thus a potential risk to the aircraft and the lives on the plane. Mm, okay. So there's some reasons in there. Uh, that's interesting when you said about destinations yeah. that, that you need an actual, you need a certain kind of plane before you can start putting motorcycles on. How many bikes do you, can you fit on one of those big planes? Um, honestly, we, there's, I mean, if, if we can fill the whole plane up with the motorcycles, we could, um, you know, the, the, these aircrafts can hold, can lift 10, 15, 20,000 kilos at a time. Wow. So I'm not too concerned about people um, overloading the aircraft. Obviously, we, we are, we have our own commercial um, base load, our own commercial customers who give us daily freight. Um, but I mean, the most I've seen on an aircraft um, that we've flown is three to four bikes at a time. It's, it's usually a small group of people who are going, but most of the time it's, it's a one-off it's, it's one or two bikes. 
um, going into Europe or out of Europe or in, into and out of within Canada, the East Coast and the West Coast. Right. And imagine if you get inundated with people wanting to ship their bikes, you're going to maybe add a plane or do something like that to, yeah. to take care of the business. I mean, yeah, no, exactly. We, we've had, you know, a lot of requests at the shows about, hey, you know, this is actually, so first of all, a lot of people didn't realize that we had cargo in our aircraft. Um, so that that's a whole other, you know, education that we have for people. But then there's a lot of people who didn't know that we had our own program, you know, a formalized flyer bike program. So once they learn that and they realize, you know, with the conversation that it's, it's not some ignore, um, exorbitant cost, they're like, hey, well, what if we wanted to get five, six, seven, I've had groups of 10 come up to me and ask, hey, we want 10 bikes to go. I mean, we can do that. Um, it'd be a little bit of a coordination on our end. And, you know, we would have to have uh, some understanding from the people dropping off 10 bikes that we may have to do this over two or three flights. So you may have to drop your bikes off two or three days before you plan on actually getting on a plane. Um, but I mean, you know, being able to have your own bike in Germany and, and ride the Autobahn and then make your way to the Swiss Alps and, and ride, you know, the Alps and the Pyrenees in France, people, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a dream for a lot of people, right? So. Oh yeah. And there's a real cost consideration too, because if you do consider renting, you look at the rental cost, and in particular, if you're going to be very long, a couple of days is one thing, but if you're going to be, you know, week, two weeks, that's all of a sudden when you have to start looking at things and thinking, okay, this rental is going to be, or quite possibly going to surpass what the flight is. And then on top of that, as you say, you have the advantage of having your own motorcycle there, but let's get into how it actually works. So if you want to book your your flight for your motorcycle, what are the requirements here? Do I need to have, like, do I have to fly with my motorcycle? Do I have to buy a flight through Air Canada for it? Or is this just a cargo arrangement? So you can fly your bike without being on the aircraft or without an Air Canada ticket. Obviously, we try to incentivize you to, you know, if you're going on a vacation, say you're going from Toronto to Vancouver and you're going on vacation, you want to ride back and 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 make your way across the continent. Obviously we want to incentivize people to fly with Air Canada to, to the West Coast. So there is a bit of a um, a discount in the in the rate uh, from Toronto to Vancouver or any combination there which. Um, but that being said, if you fly with Air Canada, you can so I mean I I'll recommend booking your ticket as far out in advance. Obviously you want to get the best possible deal. Um, I know air you know airfares are not are not cheap. Um, so people can book, you know, whatever, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten months out. Um, but with, with the cargo world, uh, you can only book 30 days up to seven days before your flight with us. So if you're flying April 1st, March 1st, you can give us a ring um, or send us an email going, hey, I'd like to fly your bike. Um, what we ask is if you're flying with Air Canada is to give us your PNR. It's that alphanumeric locator code that they give you that you can use to check in in your flight. We'll take that and we'll be able to pull up your flight details uh, and we'll be able to hopefully put the bike on the same plane as you. And the good thing is if you're going from Toronto to Vancouver, we have, four, I believe, three or four wide body flights a day. So you can drive your bike off on one of the earlier flights. And by the time you land in Vancouver, you'll be able to pick up your bike. It'll be about an hour process and you're you're off to the races. And now if you um, are an American and you come to Canada and you want to utilize this flight, let's just say to stay within Canada, are there any special mm -hmm. requirements for that? No. I mean, if, 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 if I mean, we ha we've had people drive up from the U S into Vancouver or into Toronto or Montreal and, and 
fly. It's the same difference as if you were just to fly, drive up to Canada to to jump on a plane. Okay, so when it comes to picking up the bike on the other end, um, I imagine it's one thing to go from Toronto to Vancouver, but I mean, one of your stops that you go to is Milan. Um, if you were going to Milan, is there a different procedure for picking up your bike there because you're having to go through customs than there is if it was within the same country? Uh, yeah, there's a little bit, there's um, a bit of an extra step that you need. Uh, so when you land in Milan, obviously, or anywhere in Europe, um, you go to customs to clear customs as a passenger. Uh, then there you'd have to go to the commercial customs desk uh, to clear your bike uh, on a temporary import bond. So when you, when you come up to the, the desk there, basically what you need is your proof of uh, ownership of your bike and proof of insurance, insurance coverage. So your Canadian insurance or, or, or American insurance uh, won't cover you in Europe, for the most part, I've heard of some uh, underwriters covering. So I would suggest calling your insurance company, let them know where you're planning on going and what coverage they'll offer. Uh, I had a colleague who did it and she said that her insurance company would cover her for 30 days, but she was going a little bit longer. So she had to get um, additional like supplemental insurance. But to get the insurance, is is I mean you can Google green card insurance Europe. There's there's a a wealth of information on there uh, that you can you can find info on. I've also been chatting with a gentleman um, in New York who does who runs MotorcycleExpress.com. He's an insurance broker, um, and he'll be able to help you with that get that set up as well. I've heard there's also somebody in Bulgaria uh, that can set up insurance. I know if you fly, I've, I've heard, I, I have not confirmed this to be honest, but I've heard that if you fly into Germany, the German government and the customs office will be able to give you 30 days up to three months of insurance liability coverage for a nominal fee as well. You mentioned um, incentives there, so you, you can get an incentive, in other words, a, a discount on your flight. What about volume discounts? If you, you mentioned those 10 riders, do they come to you and say, hey, we've got 10 people here, do we get a volume discount? Um, so, so the discount is not on your airfare, on your on your ticket. The discount would be on the transportation of your bike. So there's, oh, I see. There's about a, there's, yeah. So there's, yeah. So there's, and the price is just for the bike, not for your airfare. That is an additional, additional fee that you have to obviously incur. Um, but that being said, um, right now the the way the, the rate structure has been is that it is uh, one fee per bike. Um, that being said, now that we're getting more interest in multiple, you know, multiple bikes and bigger groups, there's no formalized discount that we have. It's more of a, it, it'll have to be a bit of an ad hoc basis. So what people can do is they can email our customer service team and just say, Hey, we have five bikes or 10 bikes and we're looking to go to Toronto from Toronto to London Heathrow. What, what, what can we do? Um, our customer service team honestly will then email me and I will work with our our revenue management team to be able to create some sort of discounted rate for everybody. Because obviously, you know, having more bikes on a plane obviously gets you a little more buying power. Sure. Yeah. And what about extra fees though at the other end? You, you, you go to pick up your bike. Are there any extra fees that, that you don't know about when you're booking your flight? Uh, so when you call to book, we will give you a rough, uh, an, an estimate. Uh, a quote on on what it will cost to return your bike. There may be some minor 
um, origin or destination fees that you have to pay to our ground handler. Um, but those are, are nominal, I believe. Um, the only other charges, so when you when you book with us, uh, we'll give you a quote for your, for your bike. The only other charge that is extra that you will have to incur um, is the shipper's declaration of dangerous goods. So the, de- the declaration of dangerous goods is basically a document that tells us what you're shipping, what what type of dangerous good it is. Um, this is not an Air Canada requirement. This is a Transport Canada requirement that we need, uh, as well as T- you know FAA and you know, the EASA in Europe. It's a report. It's, it's basically a reporting tool that allows us to know, and we also give our pilot, our captain knows what what. Our captain knows everything that's going on on the on the plane, so he needs to know what kind of dangerous goods are um, across the country. You're looking anywhere from about a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars um, for that dangerous goods certificate. Uh, again, when you book with us, when you call the book, we'll give you a list of two or three in in the four cities across Canada um, of these DG consultants, these dangerous goods consultants, who will be able to give you that that piece of paper. Okay, and, and does all your your customer service reps know about the motorcycle program? I, I just asked this because I remember some years back people saying when you phoned up that often you would get somebody who doesn't actually know that you fly motorcycles. Yeah, so that was that. Yes, that was actually at the beginning of the program where we were still very much in the infant stage. Um, this is our fifth year, and we actually have now um, dedicated people to handle the flyer bike booking. So everybody who who answers you on emails for the flyer bike knows about the program knows the process um and honestly quite a few of them are riders themselves and have used the program themselves so they can actually speak with some authority and experience on on the whole process Mm, okay yeah i thought that was maybe a a startup thing um this is seasonal you only do this during the summer yes so the program runs april 1st to september 30th and the reason why we do that is we have better capacity into Europe to, we have bigger planes, we have more flights going into Europe. Um, so we just have more room. Okay. So we, we figured, you know, why don't we capitalize on this? Um, and then, you know, and it's also, it just kind of lines up in the, 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 the riding season on the East Coast, as well as most of Europe, right? So it, it, it seemed like a logical um, set date and time. That being said, um, I'm not opposed to having a little bit of wiggle room plus or minus one or two weeks on either side of that. Um, it's just also, that's when our, our winter schedule flips over at the end of September, October one is when our winter schedule starts. Um, so the rates we have are specifically just for the program. They are promo rates just for April 1st, September 30th. Um, that being said, we can move bikes outside of that, but there would be, um, a, a bit of an increase in the rate. Okay, so this is um, a bit of a deal through the summertime then for this. Oh, very much so. Very okay. much so, yeah. Can, can you give us an idea of just sort of what it would cost to fly your bike from Toronto to Vancouver? One way you're looking, so it, it would probably be about $1,000. Somewhere around $1,000, okay. Yeah. So prepping the bike, when it comes to, you said you can, you can bring it there a couple of days before. What do we have to do to prep our bikes to the bike itself? And can we leave all our gear with the bike to save hauling it onto the plane with us as our yeah. luggage? Yeah. So, um, you can bring your bike to us 12 hours up to six hours before your flight. So that kind of, that saves, you know, a little bit of, of back and forth to the airport. 
Um, you know, you can book, like, like I said, 30 days up to seven days before the flight. Uh, getting your bike prepped when you drop off the bike to us, we ask that you have a quarter tank of gas or less, uh, that you unhook the battery. If you have, you know, side saddles, hard cases, pannier, uh, you can keep those all attached to the bike. You can even put your riding gear in the bike. Uh, the only thing we ask is you don't put any dangerous goods. So no compressed gas, propane. Cause I know a lot of people will fly their bike to Europe and then they're, they're planning on camping a lot around Europe. Um, so no, no propane, no compressed gas, no ether, nothing like that. Um, if you wanted to put a quart of oil yet in, you can, you just have to make sure that you let the dangerous goods specialist know when they're filling out the certificate that that's going to be there. Uh, that's going to be on the bike and in the, in the cases. Um, but even then, honestly, I'd buy a quart of oil in Europe. Their oil is just as good as ours. Um, if you have more than one bike, so you have two or three bikes, you can put multiple bikes on one dangerous goods declaration. So you don't have to buy a separate dangerous goods declaration for each bike. So that can help reduce the cost. Oh, that's interesting. Group going. Yeah, yeah, that so, could save quite a bit. Yeah. So if you have five bikes, that's saving you minimum $500. Mm, right. Um, so drop the bike off penny everything even if you, you can strap so if you have like a duffel or or uh, you know a tent and what have it if you can strap it to the bike securely with like a bungee cord or bungee net um you can same with your helmet you can strap that to your bike um so you don't have to take that on the plane with you and you can literally just come, roll, roll up to your flights um at pearson with with a backpack what about getting the, like for the bike, do we have to roll it onto a skid or what do you have to do with that? Where do we just drop it off, put it on the kickstand and walk away? Pretty much you drop it off and put it up, put the kickstand down and, and give us, so give us a set of, leave us a set of keys, especially if you have locks on your, on your, on your cases. Cause if customs wants to open them up, we would rather be able to unlock them for you and not have them broken. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause customs can, will open up and, if it's broken, it's broken. Um, so yeah, just drop off the bike, um, unhook the battery, quarter tank gas, all the other fluids, so oils and whatnot, stay in the bike. Um, the only concern that I've I've recently learned of is I know a lot of people are putting lithium ion batteries in their bikes. I need to figure out the rules and regulations on that one because there are a lot of restrictions on lithium batteries. Uh, and that's it. Rob, it's been great to talk to you. And we really appreciate you being behind this and being such a, a driving force because I can, I can tell you're passionate about the whole thing. Now all you have to do is get out there and get your motorcycle license. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's maybe next year I'll get I'll get a, get my motorcycle license, start start riding, and, and see where we go. That was Rob Flood, who heads up Air Canada Cargo, the Fly Your Bike program. You can find out more about the program at aircanadacargo.com. And on our website, in the show notes, we have a list of places they fly to and from. We also have a map there showing them, as well as a bunch of other information. Now, Rob also told me that there's going to be new uh, additions to the program, new places they're flying to for next year, and the program is definitely running again next year. Because I know that's one thing that's been discussed year, year after year here with this program, is is it going to be running next year? Well, it's a permanent thing now, I'm told. So it, you can count on it for next year. We're going to take a two-minute break, but stay with us. We have more coming up after the break. And right now, I'm going to tell you about something that you may not have heard of. If you haven't heard a certain episode, um, I think it was like two episodes ago. But anyway. 
You know, when you look at a quality part, it's not just the final manufacturing process of that part that makes it a great part. It's the design behind it. And further from that is the pedigree of the company. Yeah, the, the time the company's been around and the purpose of the company. And what I'm talking about here is IMS products. They started out in 1976. They have been servicing the race industry since then. And anyone who knows anything about racing knows it has to be top quality, ultimately durable parts. That's the pedigree of IMS. You can benefit from that pedigree in the final parts with the foot pegs they make for your bike. Right from the ADV1s and ADV2s, right on down to the rally pegs and more. There's a full design to look at. It's the pegs I run on my bike and I love them www.imsproducts.com and, and anytime you're emailing them phoning them whatever you see them at a show throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio again imsproducts.com Staying warm is a big part of motorcycle riding. Getting the right gear that's going to keep you warm and safe because being warm is safe. And feet are one of the most difficult things to keep your to keep warm while you're riding. Well, there's a, a set of socks out there for you that I think is going to make the difference that they did for me. And that's Pearly's Possum Socks. These are 45% fine merino wool and 40% brush tail possum fur and a little bit of lycra thrown in there as well. These are the official socks of Adventure Rider Radio. I actually look for excuses to wear these things because I love them so much. They're not only, they only feel good on my feet, but they're incredibly warm. Hey, I don't get behind products that I don't believe in. I'm not going to sit here and tell you about something that I don't believe in. Um, I'm kind of fussy with socks. I love these socks. Pearly'sPossumSocks.com. Drop by, have a look what they've got. They're a premium sock. They're a little more money than regular socks, but they are well worth the extra money. Pearly'sPossumSocks.com. Of course, anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. There's more than one airline for shipping, as you can imagine. You have to search around and see if you can deal directly with the airline or whether you have to go through a broker to do it. Um, that's just going to take some searching. Air Canada's program is a pretty good deal as a roll-on, roll-off service. I mean, it really simplifies things. But there's also companies out there that specialize in shipping motorcycles, both by sea and by air. And for someone who wants someone else to handle the details, it can be really good. It's also a huge advantage to have someone that knows the system and knows how it works and deals with these companies already and basically does all the paperwork to get your bike in and out of whatever country it is you're going to and, and leaving from. And while we were preparing for this episode, I got to chatting with our friend Grant Johnson from Horizons Unlimited. Now, Horizons Unlimited is the hub of motorcycle travel, really, since the internet started, and is the most mentioned resource that I hear for motorcycle travel-related information. Grant had a few tips of his own that he's learned over the years, and that he's gleaned from all the travelers that use Horizons Unlimited. The biggest thing that we find is that if you ship your bike to your destination, and there's a delay of some kind, especially by sea. You can find that the, the boat doesn't get there when you when you expected it to. The airplane is better, but sometimes the plane's full and it doesn't go. Or if the plane is the, the two or three planes in a row are full and your bike doesn't get there when you expect it to. So you could be sitting there twiddling your thumbs for a few days waiting for your bike, or it gets hung up in customs when it arrives as well, can also cause a lot of problems if you're shipping to somewhere outside your own country. 
So you want to fly or to ride to your destination. When you get there, make sure you have your contact with the shipping company and ship it home. You then fly home. And if your bike is a few days late, so what? You've probably got a car or you can borrow something from somebody. It doesn't matter if the bike's delayed. Whereas the other way around, it matters that the bike is there when you arrive at your foreign destination. Right. And, and I guess this makes a difference whether we're talking domestic or whether we're talking foreign, because, I mean, if you're if you're flying to the UK or something like that, then obviously you're going to fly it there. You're going to fly it back. That's sort of a given. Whereas here, uh, if you were staying in North America and you're from North America, you could fly it to one location and ride it back or ride it and fly it back. Yeah. If, if you're in your own country or just in North America, it's generally not a big issue. Um, I wouldn't worry about it. I'd do whatever seemed to work well for my personal ideas. But if I was shipping or flying my bike to South America, I, I would want to fly it back home. It's much more reliable, less issues with customs. You're just not going to have the problems. Yeah, I totally um, get that. And yeah. yeah, if you're flying your bike into some countries, the bike must be absolutely spotless, like toothbrush spotless, clean everywhere, and they will inspect and if it's not absolutely spotless, they'll put it back on the plane and send it home at your expense. Whereas if you ride into the country, no big deal. It's not a problem. And then flying it out and back to Canada, USA, UK, et cetera, um, not a big deal. So you just keep that in mind as to which way you're going to be coming in. Australia, for instance, when your bike comes in, no matter how it comes in, it has to be spotless. Spotless, and I—it's amazing how spotless they inspect everything. One speck of dirt, you're done. Okay, so talking domestic, or maybe not domestic. Let's let's say North America. So North America, you're in the states, you're in Canada. You you want to do an adventure? You want to fly one way? Obviously, you're limited by um, the places the airlines go. But we should we should probably talk about that first um, because there's problems with flying motorcycles in the U.S. Yes, there definitely is. There are dangerous goods issue. Um, a lot of Americans find it's much, much simpler to actually ride their bike to Canada and ship it out of Vancouver or Toronto. It's much easier. Because mm, they, they can actually do it in the U.S., but it, I think it has to be crated and then shipped. Yes, it has to be crated, shipped. And there's more paperwork. There's more cost. Um, whereas Air Canada, for instance, for Air Canada to Europe, and they're adding more countries all the time, they just load it onto a pallet. It's tied down in about five minutes. You're done. It's it. Very, yeah. very simple. Their paperwork great. It's it's a dream setup, and it can be done very, very cheaply too. They they have some wonderful deals in the summer. Do you hear much right now through Horizons Unlimited with people that are doing um, trips in North America and flying one way or the other? Not very often. Um, there seems to be this mental block against the idea. I'm not sure what it is, but something about I've got to get on my bike and I got to ride for two weeks and ride my brains out, and then my vacation's over. Um, and that's unfortunate because you don't have to fly. You can also just put it on a truck and, and send it somewhere. Uh, there's lots of companies that uh, truck bikes across the U.S. and Canada. So keep in mind that you can have a one-way trip and you can slow down a little bit, take your time a little bit, and enjoy the trip a lot more rather than flogging your brains out down the freeway. It's That's not fun. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking of the mentality that we run into when we're coming back from something. There's like, I mean, if you were to go on a vacation somewhere from that last night, usually, or, or before you go to get on the plane, it's all sort of return and the adventure is sort of done. It's done before it's even over, really, um, when you're returning. Whereas if you're doing a one-way trip, it's uh, it's full on, at least for the ride, it can be a, pretty much a full-on adventure. 
Yeah, you're you're heading home. You're on this wonderful trip. You're having a great time, and the trip is what matters. And the fact that you end up at home, hey, you pull into your driveway. There you are. You're done. It's easy. There's no hassle. There's a lot of advantages to that to going that way. Whereas, um, and and going the other way, it's a big adventure heading out. Um, you have to adjust your mindset to the one way. It doesn't have to be a big loop. Now, we know Air Canada has the motorcycle program that they run, and they're promoting that right now, actually fairly heavily. Um, do you know of any other carriers that people are using for, for flying their bikes? There's lots of um, airlines that do that. Lufthansa is one of the big ones. Um, there's another one I can't think offhand of the name, but uh, it doesn't matter because all the wide-body airplanes can take a bike. You just have to talk to their cargo department. Don't call up the airline because um, they're expecting to uh, talk to talk to you about passengers. As soon as you talk freight, you got to talk to the freight guys. And it's actually even better if you can go right down to the freight office and say, look, I got a motorcycle. I want to ship it. What's the story? Because those are the guys that actually know what's going on. Um, the office that you're going to get to by phoning they haven't got a clue. Sorry. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I called Lufthansa and they sent me to, they said, you have to use a company like DHL to package it up for you. And I called DHL and they said, well, it depends if it's over 118 inches, you're going to have to go to another division, which they don't deal with the consumer. They only deal with companies. And it, it's just all of a sudden becomes a big headache. But there's agents yep. out there that are that are doing the shipping for you. In particular, I guess, if you're going overseas, companies that will actually do all the paperwork for you. Yeah, there are. Um, we've been dealing with several of them for, for many, many years, and they've always had good reports and we've had good success. Um, basically, you contact them and say, this is what I want to do. And they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what it will cost you. Da, da, da. And here's your list of things to do. Here's what you, you do when you arrive at the, to drop the bike off. Here's what you do when you arrive to pick up your bike at the other end. They've got it all figured out. They've been doing this for years and years. So it's, it's a good way to go. They know what they're doing. They've got it all figured out. Is there, are there any precautions you think that you, you'd have to you know, take in when you're thinking of shipping your bike by flight? Uh, there's a couple of things you need to think about. One of them is that the smaller the crate, the cheaper. Shipping is done by volumetric weight, which is a fancy calculation of the volume of the thing by the weight. Now, bikes we think of as being heavy, but, but for shipping companies, they're actually light for their volume. So the biggest thing you can do to save yourself money on shipping in a crate is to make it smaller. In other words, take off all the bits that stick out. Take the front wheel off and all the rest of it. Make it small, squeeze it up tight, and you still will be shipping by volume because you can't get it to the weight. You'll never get there. Um, so that's the main thing to think about for shipping. Um, you also have to disconnect the battery. That's absolutely required. Tape up the battery terminals so that there's no chance of a spark. You must drain the gas. Don't do like one guy I know said, I didn't know how to drain the gas on my F-650, so I didn't. Yeah, well, it cost him five grand in the end because mm. he didn't drain the gas. Um, so make sure you drain the gas. You can get down to a liter or so. They don't mind a little bit of gas left in, which is usually enough to kind of get you to the next gas station from where you pick the bike up. But So that's the main thing is drain the gas, um, disconnect the battery. Make sure it's all tight and tidy. Some companies insist that you don't have any personal effects on the bike. In other words, saddlebags have to be empty. Hmm. Yeah, well, you make your own decision on that. Um, so main thing is get it small, get it compact, make it safe, and it should be clean. I mean, if, it's, if it arrives at some customs 
um, organization in some other part of the world and the thing's covered in mud, you're going to have some issues. So make sure it's reasonably clean. And the other one to think about, too, is the crate. The wood must be certified for export. And gone are the days when you could pick up some two-by-fours at the local lumber yard and a couple of sheets of plywood and make your own crate and send it off. It has to be certified for export. Hang on a so second. You're talking really means- special wood that actually has some sort of stamp or something that says it's made for export? Yes. That's crazy. Sorry. Yep. Um, some places like Europe, it's not a big issue. Australia must be certified for export and many other countries, same thing. Um, so what you end up with is you use a shipping company who has wood and crates already certified, already made, and they load it into the crate that they've got, tie it down and do all the rest of the work for you. Um, which of course adds to your cost. You can't do it as cheaply as you used to be able to. Um, on the other hand, you can do it as opposed to no, you can't do it, period. One advantage of metal crates is that there is no certif- there is no wood, so there is no certification required. However, there are a lot more aggravation to work with too. Well, the Air Canada program is just a drop-off where you drop it off and they put it on one of their, what they call cookie sheets, where they strap it down and away it goes. So I don't think in, yep. with that system, you're probably not paying volumetric weight. You're, you're probably paying a fee. Yeah, they've just got a fee. What, what's happening is that they have more passengers going to and from Europe than they have freight. So the, the planes are running relatively empty in the freight area. So they've got room to put in something. So if they can make 800 or or $1,000 off of you shipping your bike, they don't care about the volume. They want it easy. So one of their pallets is a standard thing. It drops onto their automated system. It gets run through their automated loading system. It's all done automatically. So very minimal cost to them. Whereas if you had an oddball crate, they probably end up still sticking it onto a pallet in order to run it through their automated system. So there's really no difference in price. So no crate, no aggravation, no hassle, drop it off. They tie it down to the pallet and load it on and done. But are so all the really other airlines easy. doing the, the crate thing? Are they all requiring it? No, not they're not all requiring it. Some of them prefer it. Some of them insist on it. Some of them don't care. It depends. Um, shipping from um, Colombia to Panama or USA, for instance, they just put it on a pallet, same as uh, Air Canada does. Um on the other hand, you can put it in a crate and you can save yourself some money with them. So it's, it's very variable. You have to talk to them. And it depends on your budget and how hard you want to work to get it down smaller and more compact or how lazy you are and how little work you really want to do. I know I go for the lazy if I can. <laughs> I think it's a good option. <laughs> so, I mean, as far as dealing with an agent, the company that does it for you or dealing with the airline, um, what do you think the difference is really? The real difference is that the agent <clears throat> has it all figured out and he does all the work for you so that when you arrive there, there's literally a wad of paper for you and you sign some documents and you give it to the customs guys and figure it and they sign some documents and you're done. Whereas if you're doing it all yourself, you're the one that has to end up scuttling around from agent to agent to customs office to different offices and making sure that all the documents get ticked and signed and stuff. Uh, you may still end up doing that if you're shipping into Latin America, for instance, Um, can't be helped. But if you're doing Europe, it's dead easy. Air Canada to Europe is so easy. You pick up the paper, they sign them, they hand it back to you and say, your bike's over there and off you go. You're done. Very, very simple with an agent. If you're doing it yourself, it's a little more work. 
On the other hand, it's cheaper, but not that much cheaper that it's worth the effort, I think. Right. And then you, you, nice thing I think with a company is that you've got somebody there to phone up and say, what's going on or what should I do? Exactly. You know, that yeah. friendly voice. They, I mean, oh, yeah. And they know who to talk to. They personally talk to the guy that you're going to, that you're struggling with on a regular basis. They know them. It's easy to make, to solve a problem. If you know somebody, you just pick up the phone and say, Hey, what's with this bike? You know, what, what's the problem? And, and you get an answer. Yeah. Whereas if you're trying to do it, they don't know you from Adam. They view you with suspicion because you're an individual shipping something, which they really don't like. They would much rather deal with trusted companies that they know there's not going to be a problem with. Customs, for instance, they're thinking, is he smuggling drugs in this bike? You know, like you can't lock your panniers, for instance. If you lock your panniers, you're likely to find they're going to be busted open because Customs is looking for drugs. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep these things in mind. There are advantages to shipping with companies. So you mentioned that you've got some companies you've dealt with for years. What companies would you advise people to go to? Well, we're very happy with uh, the service that people have had from James Cargo as well as Moto Freight. They're both based in the UK, but they ship from and to anywhere, and they do it all the time. They do a lot of it. They're they're very good. I've never heard anybody say that, that things went bad, that they did a bad problem. Uh, it's always worked well, so I can definitely feel happy recommending them. So Moto Freight and James Cargo, now out of the UK, so if, if I'm shipping something out of Canada or the US, um, I can just call them? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Not a problem. Because they're, Don't forget, they did ship from the UK to anywhere, and from anywhere, that's where you are, to the UK, or from anywhere to anywhere else. It doesn't really matter. They have all the connections. They know all the people at each end. Um, so they can just as easily do from the UK to, to Canada as they can do from Canada to South America or whatever. It doesn't matter. So if, if somebody's, I mean, obviously there's some things to think about and there's some things to figure out if you're going to fly it. Horizons Unlimited must have, you've you got to have a, a page on there or many pages that give people ideas of where to go and what to consider. Yeah, very many pages. In fact, we've got so many I've lost track. Um, Horizonsunlimited.com slash shipping is all about the things you need to know, the little tips and tricks like we were talking about before with um, uh, things like the volumetric weight uh, is all discussed in there in detail so you can understand how it works, all the little tips and tricks. And from there, there's also shipments. We've been collecting shipments that people have done from, from and to anywhere in the world. I think there's over a thousand shipments in there now that people have done what their experience was, what the shipping company was, whether they would recommend them or not, what the basic procedures were, what do I need to know when I arrive, how do I deal with customs, and all these things have been collected for years. So it's a great way to figure out what people have already done, what the experience was, so that you can understand what you're getting into. There's a lot of learning involved in this. So you can get that information there. And if you still have questions after all of that, go to the hub for the trip transport forum and there's lots of discussion on anything and everything to do with shipping your bike and getting it somewhere else. Lots of information there. Now, what a great resource to be able to go and look at what other people have experienced with the same destination you're looking for. So again, on Grant's website, that was Grant Johnson from Horizons Unlimited, the website www.horizonsunlimited.com. And as usual, that link is also in the show notes for this episode. 
just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com. Also, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear at greenchiliadv.com. And Moto Breeze Chain Oilers at motobreeze.com. Hey, you do us a great favor. If anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime you see them anywhere, you mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. up another episode of adventure rider radio and i'd like to thank you the listener thank you very much for being a part of this thank you to our producer elizabeth martin and now it's time to get out there and ride your bike and and i i want to remind you if you like what we're doing we need your help um support the show drop by the website www.adventureriderradio.com click on the support button and we get a bunch of different things that we're offering there we would love it if you would consider our patron option thanks very much my name is jim martin see you next week I'm Ed March from C90Adventures.co.uk and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 